Hi there, this is the Manster, one of your humble hosts from Pina Comics Podcast. What is Pina Comics, you say? Fair question. Pina Comics is a weekly pop culture podcast with a mission. A mission to explore humankind's greater geekdom and report our findings back to you listeners every week. We explore movies, games, TV shows, comics, local events and conventions, and so much more. We'll tell you just what we think of all the stuff that makes life fun, or at least bearable, and hopefully make you laugh, chortle, cackle, bust a gut, or even just chuckle while doing it. So join me and my fellow host, Ganache, every week. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or whatever podcasting app you like to stuff inside that little phone of yours. Listen in. It was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they're doing in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. See, T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Critic was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to Forgotten Cinema's 30-Second Ad. Forgotten Cinema is a podcast where we talk about films that, for a variety of reasons, seem to have been forgotten by audiences. We talk notes about production and release, why we believe these films were forgotten, and whether or not we think they're worth a revisit. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you listen to your podcast and on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. So grab your popcorn and soda. Please notice exits are available at the front and rear of the auditorium. And be sure to check out Forgotten Cinema. Kirk Allen was the first live-action Superman in the 1948 and 1950 Superman serials. He played him as a true Blue Boy Scout right out of the comic book. George Reeves hit the small screen in 1952 with The Adventures of Superman, which ran until 1958, after which he was part of several stage adaptations of Superman before his untimely demise in 1959. Other actors that have worn the red and blue spandex to much acclaim include Dean Cain, who donned the cape in the popular ABC series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, which ran four seasons from 1993 to 1997. Tom Welling, who played a young Clark Kent in the series Smallville, which ran 10 seasons on the WB and CW networks, respectively. And in cinema, we've seen Brandon Routh wear his undies on the outside for 2006's Superman Returns, and most recently, Henry Cavill as the Man of Steel in the DC Extended Universe, which took Superman into new territory as an unsure, brooding type of character who grapples with a cynical society and choosing to be a hero. But for me, none have portrayed the last son of Krypton's Kal-El with so much charm, optimism, and enthusiasm like Christopher Reeve, who, with director Richard Donner, made us all believe that a man could fly in 1978's Superman the Movie. Reeves' Superman leaped from the pages of the comics, and his clumsy, insecure alter ego Clark Kent was a portrayal for the ages. 
The Reeve Superman film spawned three inferior sequels that ran out of gas in 1987, succumbing to declining box office. The 1978 score by John Williams has also become the quintessential theme for all things Superman to this day. Margot Kidder was also, in my opinion, far and away the best screen adaptation of Lois Lane. Kidder's snarky, cocksure, impetuous, Pulitzer-driven reporter for Perry White's Daily Planet has set a benchmark that has not been rivaled by any actress for the role since. For me, it doesn't get any better than Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, and Gene Hackman in Richard Donner's Superman the Movie. It's the gold standard. Which brings us to the latest screen adaptation of Clark and Lois with the CW's Superman and Lois, starring Tyler Hoechlin as Clark Kent Kal-El, and Elizabeth Tolick as Lois Lane. And it co-stars Alex Garfin as Jordan Kent, Jordan Elsass as Jonathan Kent, and Emmanuel Cricky as Lana Lang. And now, here are my thoughts on Episode 2, Heritage. Okay, Episode 2, Superman and Lois, called Heritage. And let's just dive right in, shall we? So, uh, the episode opens with a kind of a montage of the Kent family settling into Smallville and working around the house and whatnot and uh the scene finally lands on a dinner scene um where the uh, jordan's told that he should probably be kept out of school because he's manifesting these abilities until they can figure out exactly how to control them or uh, get him to try to learn how to uh, use them he shouldn't go to school which doesn't work for jordan he gets a little upset because he already feels kind of ostracized and now he's like just just single me out even more you know that everyone's going to notice i've vanished and i'm not going to school and it doesn't go over well and again it's another one of these moments for clark where he he's just kind of like he just doesn't know the right way to parent or, or doesn't feel as if he knows the right way to parent it just seems like everything he does in his children's best interest seems to blow up in his face as far as their personal relationship is concerned um so we leave that scene and we go straight to Moldova uh, to a weapons depot and uh, the villain from the first episode, Luthor, as he's been tagged at the end there, um, is at this weapons depot and he's looking to secure uh, kryptonite. Um, and we find out he can't find any and we find out he's talking to a woman um, and, you know, basically she says we have to stop him before he does to you what he did last time or something to that effect and and he says no i have to stop kal-el before he does to this world what he did to mine so there's something interesting at play here and it kind of is already hinting at the idea of the dc multiverse coming into play um so clark decides he's going to take jordan on his day off from school to the fortress of solitude and teach him about his Kryptonian lineage and the uh, the L family uh, history. So uh, Jordan gets up there, a little, really fascinated by it, has a, a really fun time, it looks like, learning about this stuff. And then Clark has him meet his Kryptonian grandfather, Jor-El. He's manifesting abilities. Well, then. It is possible for us to further our Kryptonian heritage after all. So Jorel is confident that because Jordan is showing these abilities on Earth that, um, like he said, they might be able to continue the Kryptonian lineage going forward. It's not just Clark now. There's, there's actually another surviving member of the family uh, on Earth. So 
Um, it starts out pretty promising. Uh, meanwhile, Lois is back in Smallville, and she's doing a lot of in-depth research on Morgan Edge, who's the new boss at the Daily Planet, and he's looking to set up shop uh, in Smallville uh, with some kind of mining venture. He's already taken over a bank. Uh, we found out in the first episode, so he had all those mortgage deeds he holds uh, all the citizens kind of hostage with. And, um, you know, she finds out that uh, the new Carthage Bank is a venture uh, in the past that, like, bankrupt a small town with this, in, with the same methods uh, that he's going to try to employ here in Smallville. She also found out that he's got uh, a history of being accused of harassment, intimidation, and extortion. Um, so, I mean, Lois is no fool. We know we're dealing with a bad guy here. Um, she's just, ca- you know, crossing her T's, dotting her I's, and, uh, and whatnot. So, uh, while she's doing this, Lana Lang comes in with her husband, Kyle, and uh, they invite her very last minute to a barbecue at their house. Um, and uh, Kyle sees that she's doing this report on Edge and immediately starts to defend the guy. Uh, very sycophantically, uh, in fact. So it sets up a little tension with Lois and Kyle that um, we'll see continue uh, throughout. So back at the fortress... Um, Jorel's been doing a analysis of Jonathan's abilities and uh, comes to kind of a startling conclusion, I guess you'd call it. He'll never have enough power to produce these abilities on command. It's human DNA is just too limiting. So because he's, you know, at least 50% human, uh, he's never going to actually be able to realize the full potential of his Kryptonian abilities he'll never be his father um which does not sit well with clark or jordan um and there's more to come on that too uh so clark goes back to the farm and he's talking to lois about the bummer of a day uh jordan um it, it's it's kind of what i really like about this show are the two kids and i gotta say i thought going in that the two kids would be like the downside of the show the the chemistry the two have is really you believe they're twins you believe that they're related to each other for real um they you know they both have these moments of of uh i want to say selfish um we'll call them boo-boo kitty moments and then but then you know they rally for each other they're there for each other uh, because when the when it comes down to it when the chips are all in play that they are there for each other no matter how contentious they can be with one another uh, throughout and it's just really right here in the second episode it's already pretty evident that they cast like two guys who who really understand the material and they're well directed and they they really feel like brothers if anyone who has a sibling especially a sibling of the same gender i have a, a younger brother and and our relationship is exactly like the relationship I see on the screen. So uh, I, I hats off to uh, the creative team on this show so far. Um, so anyway, General Lane comes to the house as uh, Clark said he has his game face on. And uh, he has news that um, Luthor is, 
he's got a ship that is allowing him to get to all these places looking for kryptonite um, quickly, but they've tagged the ship, so now they'll be able to trace it, so the next time he mobilizes, he can use his little Superman beeper, and Clark can go kind of try to cut the guy off uh, and stop this madness. So, um, while this is going on, he asks Clark, like, why did you move to Smallville? Why did you take Lois's livelihood away from her? Why did you take Jonathan off the football team and leave his girlfriend behind, kind of not more or less ruin Jonathan's, uh, you know, high school life, if you will. Um, and it's not just to protect Jordan. There's something bigger at play here. And he finds out that Superman has revealed to the kids, uh, that Clark has revealed to the kids that he's Superman. And um, Lane thinks that was a huge mistake. And he says he's seen the toll it's taken on Lois, knowing that. And now the boys know it, and it's just going to be hell for, for Clark going forward. Are you going to put the boys through that same hell. This is gonna keep my family together. No, Clark, I'm gonna tear it apart. So um, you can see the sympathy and the empathy Lane has for him. Um, again, I said it in the first episode where um, in the, the Incredible Hulk for Marvel Comics, you've got the same type of character with General Thunderbolt Ross, but he is completely opposed to and he's trying to destroy Bruce Banner and the Hulk, right? Um, here we have a guy who's actually on Clark's side, and he he has empathy for the whole the whole situation. I mean, he gets that you know Clark's trying to raise a family, but at the same time he's this you know the savior of, of the planet, and it's um, you can see it in his eyes right there. Really good performance uh, by this actor. I don't have his name in front of me. I apologize. Ah, uh, so meanwhile, um, the city council meeting is that night uh, that. Um, Lois found out about when uh, Lana and Kyle came to see her at that diner where she was doing her reporting. So she shows up, uh, brings the boys with her, which is kind of strange, but it, I guess it keeps them out of Clark's hair for, for a night. And uh, Edge starts spouting his, you know, I'm going to create 600 jobs and I'm going to bring all this prosperity to Smallville and we're going to get this, you know, one horse town back to a two horse town and all this kind of stuff. And Lois calls him out and uh, starts bringing back that new Carthage Bank scandal and how the it ended up destroying the small town. And uh, and, and Edge kind of flips it on her and embarrasses her in public because he's got he's pretty much got the town support on this. So he says, oh, uh, you know, you're right. I, n I never guaranteed anything. I told those people it was a risk. And I also told those people that I was the only one willing to take that risk, and, and it didn't work. And he said, "You know what? You're you're right, Miss Lane. Maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't do that here. Maybe, maybe it's too big of a risk." And just um, completely kind of turns most of the town's opinion against uh, Lois's facts because his facts don't matter, right? Uh, meanwhile, um, Lane, when he was at um, giving Clark crap at the farm uh, also got a phone call and all he said was like Mongolia so off goes Clark and here we are in Mongolia Luthor uh, drops in here he's again on his kryptonite hunt um, Clark shows up and wants to know you know what are you doing why are you doing this what did I do to you it wasn't just me you destroyed my whole planet so this fight ensues and this is the 
the special effects are, are decent in spots great in spots decent in other spots it's kind of choppy um, but what i really like it's got the aesthetic of the Zack snyder man of steel slash bvs slash justice league um where you know while they're fighting there's push zooms and and whip pans and it really had that frenetic feel to it it really kind of matches the aesthetic of uh what Zack snyder did with uh, henry cavill's superman um so clark you know kind of beats him down um pretty handily and uh just before he's about to to tear the guy's bodysuit apart his body armor apart he hears a beeping with his super hearing and Luthor says, yeah, yeah, I rigged my uh, ship on autopilot. It's going to go to Metropolis and explode and kill uh, thousands of people. So it's it's me or, or them. So uh, Clark takes off, grabs the ship. Throws it into space where it explodes. And he falls back to Earth to ponder what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, back in Smallville, uh, Jonathan hasn't had his playbook sent to him yet for the school football team. And as we know from the pilot episode, he was the star quarterback in Metropolis. And he doesn't even have the playbook. He doesn't know what's going on. So he's frustrated at practice. He finally asked the coach, can I just go in and take a few reps? And the coach says, no, because you don't know the plays yet. And he's like, just, just, I think I got it. Just let me go in. It does not go well at all. Um, he, he, you know, he runs into the running back on one play and they fumble the ball. He gets sacked from behind on another one because he doesn't understand the blocking scheme. And um, Sean is the one. And Sean, just to refresh you from uh, last episode, Sean is um, uh, Lana Lang's daughter's name escapes me. Sorry. Boyfriend that Jordan kissed at the party. So Sean has been kind of adversarial toward Jonathan because of Jordan. Um, and he says something like, you know, we already got a quarterback. I told you this. So it seems like the whole team is kind of out to get Jonathan because of what happened at that party with Jordan. So um, not not very good for him. So he's, he's not adjusting to Smallville life very well uh, between his brother manifesting powers and his girlfriend back in Metropolis. And now he can't even crack... Um, crack practice on the football team where he was the big star quarterback before so um he goes home and you know he's been dealing with a lot of the frustration and lois actually commended him for being you know for sacrificing so much for his brother and for the family um and he's handled it pretty well and jordan comes back after hearing what jor-el said about him never being superman and uh starts feeling sorry for himself and and Jonathan just just lights him up just lights him up so um Clark and Lois shut it down immediately and they go to the sorry they go to the barbecue um at the barbecue Kyle and Lois have more words um Kyle defends his position and you know he's got a decent defense to it it's just that he's he's being fooled by this this Morgan Edge guy because Kyle being a fireman in the town and you know he's a he's a townie and he wants the best for Smallville but he doesn't he the, the empty promises from this billionaire are clouding his judgment on who this billionaire is and what his past has shown to be um, so it's really teeing it up for kind of a, a confrontation with the two of them at some point 
while there, Lois's story that she wrote for the Daily Planet um, is released and it's been completely altered. He changed it. He changed my story. It's like a pro-Edge fluff piece. Oswald did this? No, Edge. I can't let him do this. So, um, you know Lois, and she gets a bee in her bonnet. It's, it's, uh, she can't be stopped, so off she goes to, uh, to let Morgan Edge know exactly what she thinks of that. Uh, meanwhile, Luthor shows up at the Department of Defense here in the U.S. and um, starts, you know, rampaging through the place, and he gets to confront General Lane before uh, Clark shows up and uh, stops him really easily in, in trying to remove his helmet, uh, finds out he rips the whole head off, and it's a robot. It's a, it's a, it's a drone. Um, and we find out Luthor's been sitting back, and he's looking, and, and he now knows, like, there's no kryptonite anywhere but there. And Lane admits to Clark that he's basically got the world supply kryptonite to protect Clark from, um, from anyone taking him down. Clark sees that as completely dangerous and irresponsible since Lane didn't even let him know that was happening. Um, so Lois and Clark sit down and kind of discuss their setbacks to this point and the setbacks for both of their children. Um, and it, this is another one of those great scenes. And again, with the tone and the cinematography, you get the orangey warm glow because of the support, love, and understanding these two people have for each other. Um, you know, they, Clark says, you go do what you got to do. She says, you go do what you got to do. And we know the boys will pull through this because they're, um, they're well-parented. We'll put it that way. Um, and, and directly following and again we have the same color palette here uh the two boys uh jordan comes in and says look i've been a whiny brat you've been there for me all the time and they kind of tease each other and just that again it's it's so real these these guys these brothers it just feels so real and and that they really do care about each other uh despite being pretty much polar opposites in personality so uh lois goes to the planet to confront Edge about rewriting her piece. You rewrote my story. <clears throat> I merely corrected what was wrong. So just to confirm, we can't do any actual reporting here anymore, correct? So she uh, she says, well, she hands him an envelope and he says, what's this? She's like, the best thing I've ever written. It's two words, I quit. And off she goes, she's done. And uh, the gauntlet's been thrown. Uh, Morgan Edge and Lois Lane are now adversaries. And in fact, on her way out, um, Lois gets confronted by one of Edge's minions. And this woman says, he's going to destroy you. And she goes, let him try. Um, which, you know, I talked about in the first one, how um, this woman has the Margot Kidder kind of Lois Lane thing going on. And, and that scene, when she says that, reminds me so much of Margot Kidder from the 1978 Superman so um, General Lane's back and uh, reflecting on what's going on and, and up to this point, and um, he has a dog tag in his hand that's labeled 7734. 7734 um, in the comic book world of Superman is a alien incursion project uh, to prevent the world from being taken over by an invasion, actually. Um, so that dog tag, uh, and when flipped, says hell, H-E-L-L. -L. So 
Um, and that comes back into play like moments later, uh, which we'll get to. But in the meantime, we have an interstitial where Lois goes to the Smallville Gazette and um, takes up an offer made by uh, Chrissy. I have her name here somewhere. Chrissy. Chrissy Burt. Beppo, Chrissy Beppo, um, who offered Lois a job at the city council meeting if she ever wanted one. And uh, Lois goes in and takes her up on her offer. And we find out that Chrissy is actually the reporter, editor, publisher. She's the one. She's It's one person at this little small town newspaper. So um, now it's two. Uh, and then we have a scene where Luthor is reflecting back on what had happened on his world. And we see a black-clad Kal-El, Superman, just committing genocide. Uh, we see that Luthor and General Lane are serving together. And General Lane, before he dies, hands his dog tag, the 7734, to Luthor, uh, who, when he looks at it in his hand, it's upside down. It says, hell. So, again, we get a little multiverse tease. There's something strange going on. And we find out that Luthor... This might be one of those uh, those villains that has... Uh, it's an antagonist, not a villain, right? He actually has a reason for doing what he's doing because um, he saw Kal-El commit genocide uh, firsthand. So, and he's trying to prevent it again. So, again, you know, it's always interesting to me. I'm a big Star Trek fan, and, we, and um, it's a, a saying that Star Trek doesn't have villains. They only have antagonists because they all have a reason for what they're doing. It's not just to be evil, to be bad, to be bad. There's a an actual reason behind their motivation, and we're getting that here with, with Luthor. So um, that's it for episode two. Uh, the show is off to a great start. Really happy with it. Um, and I just want to point out that, and I'll bring the stats up uh, next time because I didn't prepare it. It was stupid of me. But the first episode had a one, 1.7 million viewers for the pilot. And uh, this episode brought in 1.2 million viewers, so a uh, big hit for the CW for sure. And uh, we'll keep an eye on that as we go forward as well. But that's that's it for me. So if you like this video, uh, please give us the thumbs up. Um, that always helps. Uh, you're welcome to say you didn't like it either. I mean, that's you know we're not going to force you into liking everything. Uh, please comment, share, and uh, most importantly, subscribe so we can continue to grow the channel. Um, until then, uh, this is Keith, and we'll see you for episode three very, very soon. If you like this video, please subscribe to the channel. If you subscribe, make sure you click the little bell icon to be notified anytime someone from our show drops new content here. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, kids, what time is that?